And so many people say, if you truly want to understand the scriptures fully, uh, go back to the law of first mention. Go back to that, that place in the scriptures where it is first taught. And you'll find it in its clearest, simplest form. As it goes on, it's repeated, but more detail is added in God's progressive revelation. So that's the, that's the principle. You know, it's very interesting when you do that when it relates to the blood. Uh, because there is quite a, a, a thing that, that um, we, we often overlook as Christians. Uh, the first time the word blood is mentioned uh, is in, in context. It's over the, 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 the murder. The first dysfunctional family was Adam and Eve, of course. And, uh, you know, they, uh, um, Cain went and murdered his brother Abel. And, uh, you know, uh, we read about that in, in Genesis chapter 4 and, um, and verse 12. And this is the interesting thing that you of, is often overlooked. Genesis uh, 4 and verse 10. I beg your pardon, verse 10. It says this. It's the second part of the verse that I'm reading. It says, The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Blood has a voice and it speaks to God. Now you're beginning to understand when we talk about the Passover, when we plead the blood, that, that, we, that we are communicating with God. We're, ple we're pleading the blood. And the blood is crying out, God, look, somebody has died. The blood has been shed. And uh, you need to uh, come to their aid. That's the purpose behind it. The voice, the blood cries out. You know, the blood speaks loud and clear. And so when we come to, to plead the blood, we are... The, God hears exactly what's going on. That's why I say it's the Christian's atomic weapon, because the blood speaks unto God. We apply the blood of Jesus whenever the devil's attacking us. We say, hey God, I'm trusting in you, and God shows up, because the blood speaks loud and clear. You know, what does the blood say about us? It cries out mercy, it cries out grace, it cries out peace. It cries out you're innocent, you're forgiven, you're delivered, you're healed. Right. The blood cries out, you are Jesus' brother, you are co-laborers with Christ. The blood says, you walk in victory. You know, when your enemies come against you one way, and you plead the blood of Jesus, they're going to flee in seven ways. Amen? That's good news. <coughs> because they're going to be dispersed by the power of the blood. So every time the devil attacks you, uh, plead the blood of Jesus. The blood says to the devil, it speaks to the devil, and says, pass over, devil. You have, you have no jurisdiction here. You have no right here. You have no. You are a defeated foe. You cannot come uh, near me because I, uh, I am a child of God. The blood says, "Devil, you vanquished. You crushed." The blood reminds the de the devil that Jesus rose from the dead, the dead, and was triumphant. Death and hell could not hold Jesus, and that's what the blood of Jesus says to the devil when we cry out, "Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our life." There is. Power and authority in the blood. Every time you use the blood, even the most vile and evil thing must pass over us. Amen? Why? Because the destroyer cannot touch us under the blood. Because it is the perfect protection. It is the protection of God. It cries out every time you plead the blood. It cries out to God and God hears the cry of the blood. It is our perfect protection. I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 9, and we're going to look at the, uh, verses 11 and 12, but we're just going to start with verse 11. It's a very interesting verse about the blood here. What chapter? Zechariah chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. And it says this, As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Why does this happen? Because of the blood of my covenant. Will you say that? Because of the blood of the covenant. Again, because of the blood of the covenant. Amen. Okay. So this takes place because of the blood of the covenant. God says, I will free your prisoners. In other words, deliverance comes because of the blood of the covenant. Yes. Deliverance from any sin, any bondage, any difficulty, any hardship. Uh, comes immediately because of the blood. Because the blood sets us free. The truth is, there is no prison that can hold us. No chain that can bind us because of the blood of Jesus. Yes, yes. Amen. Thank this you. is the superior weapon of choice that we have. 
Every fetter, every shackle is destroyed by the blood. We are free. He who the Son sets free is free, free indeed. indeed. Is free indeed. You know, the devil tries to lie to you and says, you can't stop that. You, you can't help it. You keep on going back like a, like a dog returning to its vomit. The devil tries to try, drag us back into our sin. But immediately we apply the blood. And God says, hey, the blood speaks. You're delivered. You are free. You, you have no need uh, for any difficulties um, because the blood will set you free. Hallelujah. Every fetter, every shackle, every prison, every chain. We are free because of the blood of Jesus. Can somebody Hallelujah. praise the Lord? I am free because of the blood of Jesus. Praise Thank God. You, Jesus. See, what's the saying? That today is the day of your deliverance based on the blood. Jesus, the Bible says, because of the blood covenant, I will set your prisoners free. Because of the blood, I will set your prisoners free. Hallelujah. So today is the day of our freedom. Today is the day of our liberty. Because Christ has come to set every prisoner free. Listen, we've, we've been reading that verse. Let's go back to it. Because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Hallelujah. From where? Waterless pit. You sure? Yeah. From the waterless pit. What is the waterless pit? There is no water. Where there's no water, where it's dry and barren. It's desert times in our life. Where nothing seems to be happening. When it feels like God has forgotten you. And I, I know that being a pastor for 40 years, I know that there are times that even the best Christians can feel like God has abandoned them. That's the lie that the devil has perfected over generation and millennia. He wants you to think that God has forgotten about you. But I'm here to tell you that you know God will never leave you, never forsake you. He has never abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. Jesus promised He would never leave us nor forsake us. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6.17, this is, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We are So much awake in a long time. I found that So that verse says, "Because of the blood of my covenant, I will free you from the waterless pit." Hallelujah. Those are the dry, barren times where it seems like God has abandoned us, but God has promised that He will never turn His back on us. He's not forgotten us. Jesus promised that He that is joined to the Lord is one Spirit. We are indivisibly and divinely joined to the Spirit of God. Wherever we go, God goes with us. The blood of Jesus is our covering, and we have the perfect protection from the enemy. And that's why we can walk in victory. But he says he'll deliver us from those dry and barren places, the waterless pit. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, are you dry and thirsty? Do you need a, a fresh touch from God? Are you weak and weary? Do you thirst for more of God? Yeah. Has your life become barren, unproductive, dry, withered? Does your spiritual life need refreshing and blessing? God says, I will free the prisoners from the waterless pit. Because of the blood of my, the promise, the covenant, the promise of renewal, Revival and refreshing is ours. That's the glory. That's the wonderful news. This morning, if you're feeling dry and thirsty, come back to the covenant. Yes. Come back to the blood. Yes. Because God says, I will, I will deliver you from that, that dry and barren place. The waterless pit. Hallelujah. Listen to it again. It's really important that you know we put our faith and our trust in the blood, isn't it? Because if we do that, we will receive such a blessing from the Lord. God's blessing and anointing our promise. And He wants to bless us exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think this morning. Yes. God has great and exciting plans for you. Yes. But we have to believe it. We've yes. got to say, Lord, this is mine. I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm not going to stay in this dry, barren wilderness anymore. Um, because of the blood of the covenant, I am coming out. You don't need some big name evangelist to pray for you to be revived and to be refreshed. Yes. 
The truth right. is, because of the blood of the covenant, God says, I will deliver you from that barren, waterless pit. God will bring you refreshing because of the blood. You just need to receive it this morning. You need to receive that, that God is going to stir up your spirit, stir up your life before Him, and that you're going to soar like wings of the eagles. Yes. You're going to go into a rarefied atmosphere of God's presence. And so He has that for you, and He wants you to receive it. Take it. It's yours. Listen to that. There's two verses again. Zechariah 9. In verses 11 and 12. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress. Let me just ask you a question. What is the fortress that we return to? It's the blood of Jesus. That's our perfect protection. That's the atomic bomb. That's our stronghold. Amen? So he's saying, return to your fortress, you captives who have hope. Anybody got hope that God's going to do a powerful work in you today? Hallelujah. I believe God wants to do an amazing thing in us if we're ready for what God has. Hallelujah. Return to your fortress, you captives who have hope. Today I will return to you. Today I will return to you. Today I will return to you a double blessing. Hallelujah. God wants to do something in your heart today. Today is a new day. God wants to do a new work in us. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, if you have hope, if you're trusting and believing, then you can expect God to do amazing and powerful things in our life. But you know, what is the fortress? What is the stronghold? It is the blood of Jesus. Under the blood, God will restore a double blessing to you. Folks, that's, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But you know, that was the old covenant. That was the old covenant. And he said, I'm going to restore a double blessing. Today, he says, I'm going to give you every blessing in, in, in heavenly places. I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to bless you so overwhelmingly, you won't be able to contain what I want to do for you. God wants to bless you even today. Hallelujah. Every spiritual blessing is ours by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is our stronghold and our fortress against all corruption, against sin in this world. You know, just keep coming under the blood. Keep claiming the blood because the, the blood cries out to God. I want us to understand something here. Sometimes we try and do this Christian life by sheer guts and determination. You know what I mean? It's, hey, I'm going to drag myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make myself do this. I've got a verse for you. It's a very important principle, and we need to understand something here. And the thing I want you to understand here is it's not about us. It's not about our own strength, our determination, our commitment. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about what He has done for us. And the verse I want to draw your attention to is just the end part of 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 9. And it drops this little bomb. For by strength shall no man prevail. You don't get out of it by what you do. By strength shall no man prevail. It's not about how, how committed you are to God. It's not about your determination and, and, and you know, your, your willpower. For by strength, no man shall prevail. So, how do we prevail? By the blood of the covenant. By the name of the Lord. Listen to Psalm 20 and verses 6 through 8. It says this, and I'm reading it from the NIV. Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. Woo! I get yes. excited about that. The Lord saves His anointed. Do you know that you are the Lord's anointed? Yes, I am. One, 1 John 2.27 But the anointing you've received of Him abides in you. We are God's anointed. Yes. And this verse says, Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. Mm. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, He answers Him. Hallelujah. From His holy heaven with saving power of His right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Amen. Lord our God. What name is that that we trust in? Remember the name of the blood covenant of our God. The name of the Lord our God through the blood covenant. In other words, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. El Shaddai, God Almighty. El Olam, 
forever present, forever lasting God. By those names, verse 8 goes on to say, by those names, by the redemptive names, they are brought to their knees and fall. It's talking about our enemies. It says, when, when you understand that you're in covenant with Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the, uh, and uh, that uh, El Shaddai, the Almighty God, and El Elam, the everlasting God, when you understand that, your enemies are going to be brought to their knees, not by your power. Mm. Mm. Oh, what amazing thing the Lord has done for us. Goes on to say, they are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I find that so exhilarating, so exciting to think that, hey, I'm in covenant with this God who's going to make me overcome every difficulty and every obstacle. It doesn't promise an easy life. It doesn't promise we'll never have problems again. But it does promise that we will overcome in every circumstance, in every situation. We will come out triumphantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Praise you, Jesus. The purpose of the blood covenant is to share our lives. That is the whole rationale behind the Bible. You want to understand God's motivation? It's to share your life with Him. And He can share His life with you. It's about this combined life. And the purpose is, if an enemy attacks you, the blood covenant says, my armies are as your armies. I am one with you. We will fight together. We are as one. That's the purpose of the blood covenant. And God is saying to each and every believer, He says, I will come and do battle in, in, uh, on your behalf and, and do mighty things in uh, your enemy's life. And you see, when God made a covenant with us, He said this, Give me your problems. I'm big enough to handle it. Give me your problems. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you got, what you go through. Give them to me. That's what the covenant says. You know? So give me your problems. Give me your assets. You say, oh, no, God. I've just bought a new car. Give me your assets. But how many know that in covenant, we might give God our assets, but He gives us all his assets. Yes, that's right. How many of us understand that we've got the better deal there? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great deal. We have all the assets of God. You know, He's given us everything. I have, as yours, God says, His strength, His power, His love, His joy, His peace, His mercy, His grace, everything. All that God has now becomes ours through the sacrifice of Jesus and the blood covenant. God wants to share His life with us and ensure that we walk in victory and are blessed. That's the purpose behind serving the Lord. The Bible is divided into two, as you know it. The Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the New Testament because it's really Jesus' last will and testament. You want to know what you've inherited? Read the book. Read the book. And you'll find out that God has blessed you abundantly, more than you could ask for things. God has done these amazing things. It's called the New Testament because it's really about the blood covenant. God is explaining the, the details of the blood covenant. Remember, the death of Jesus brings the will of God into effect. When Jesus died in, on the cross, everything that he had as God has now become ours. And he has willed that to us. He's willed us his grace, his peace, his love, his joy, everything. There's no reason for us to be down when we understand what he has done for us. It's telling us all about the blood covenant. He has the secret of life. We prevail by the blood covenant. God will back us through the trials of life because of the blood covenant. Remember what Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you tiny little things. I will show you a few things. I will show you a couple of things that might amaze you. No, I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. God's got works in store just waiting to blow our minds. He's got something just ready. If we will call out to the Lord and say, God, I'm tired of the ordinary. I'm tired of the mundane. I want to, I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood's going to speak unto the Father. And God's going to do amazing things. If we call out to the Lord, He's going to show us great and mighty things that we know not. Why? Because we're putting our confidence in the all-powerful blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. In the sacrifice of our Savior. That's what it's all about. 
But remember that important principle, for by strength no man shall prevail. But through the blood we are victors and more than conquerors and we are overcomers in this life. Nothing can stand against us. We are a people of power. And everybody who believe that's it? Amen. I've got half of you. Everybody who believe that's it? Amen. There are no believers this side. You guys Okay, right. I think we're gonna I'm gonna preach all my my message to it because you guys excuse me a minute. Excuse me. What's what's the matter, Sandy? I I'm full of power. Amen. Because you're on that side. Yeah, but you said you're going to preach to that side. Yes, because then they're going to... Ah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, remember what the Bible says? It's not by power, but nor by my, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There's power in the blood covenant. Hallelujah. There is power in the blood. Wonder-working power. That's what the hymn, the person who wrote that hymn understood. You've got a revelation of the power of the blood. This incredible protection that cries out to God and speaks to our Savior. Any uh, sin requires blood to be forgiven. Remember, we looked at this in Hebrews chapter 9 and 22. Let me just refresh your memory. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So what is that saying? The blood of Jesus is our shield and our protection, our fortress, our stronghold. The blood of Jesus is our security. The blood of Jesus is our purity and our holiness. The blood of Jesus is our ultimate weapon of warfare. Can you say amen? amen. You see, the truth is, the devil has no answer for the blood of Jesus. All the works of darkness are destroyed by the blood of Christ. Our sins are obliterated by the blood of Jesus. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the superiority of the blood of Jesus. I want to talk to you about the greatness of God's blood. We've been saying that the, the Bible is actually divided into two, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's really a story of two covenants, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So simply put, the Bible is a story of two covenants. Under the Old Covenant, the high priest on the day of atonement would take the blood of a bull and go into the, uh, into the tabernacle and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, and he would obtain forgiveness for how long? One year. One, One year. year. One year. It was a limited atonement. And so uh, it, 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 was, it, it wasn't all that effective, but it was adequate, and it atoned for their sins for the time being. So every year, year after year, the high priest would go through the ritual of offering the blood on the mercy seat so that the nation could be forgiven for another year. But how many know the Bible says in Hebrews 8, 6, that, that we have a better covenant with better promises. I love that. God says, I have a, made a better covenant than all that is. Hey, if you look at the, the promises in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessing, it's not too shabby, amen? It's pretty good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but yet God says, I have a better covenant with better promises for you. You see, the blood, and we told, the book of Hebrews tells us why the, the, the high priest uh, did this year after year. Verse, uh, verse 4 of chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 goes on. It says uh, this, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. The blood of bulls and goats could only cover, offer a limited atonement. They would be forgiven for, for, the, for the remainder of that year, for the next year. And then the process would have to be repeated all over again. But, you know, because we have a better covenant, Jesus cut this better covenant. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, But this man, referring to Jesus, our high priest, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. Now, remember, uh, Moses... Uh, got the, the, the vision, the revelation of how to build the tabernacle from God uh, when he was in God's presence and he said you're going to build it exactly like this so it was a copy of, of the true tabernacle which was in heaven and, the, and they would go and they would offer the blood on that mercy seat uh, once a year but the New Testament is a better covenant with better promises now Jesus is our high priest and now in the New Testament, Jesus, our high priest, takes his own blood into heaven, into the heavenly tabernacle, and he stands before the mercy seat and he places his own blood upon the heavenly tabernacle, in the heavenly tabernacle, a 
upon the mercy seat there. Hallelujah. Do we understand what's happening here? The blood of Jesus, the blood of God, the blood of Jesus, the blood of God, the same thing is placed upon the true tabernacle and upon the true uh, mercy seat. And when that blood is placed upon the mercy seat, Jesus forever sat down. He doesn't do this once every year because this is the perfect sacrifice. His own blood, the blood of God, has now been shed for the sins of mankind and placed upon the tabernacle in heaven and upon the mercy seat. The blood of Jesus, the blood of God, is the perfect sacrifice and has perfected our redemption. Jesus' sacrifice has satisfied all claims of justice. Hallelujah. There's nothing that can be accused. We can be accused of nothing because of what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. We have a very powerful advocate. You know, he's never lost a case. He's never lost one case. And he declares every single one of us righteous. He's made it possible for us to, for God to legally give man eternal life and declare us righteous. Verse 14, if we carry on through uh, chapter 10 of Hebrews, we get to verse 14, one of my favorite verses I quoted often. Jesus perfected ever, forever, 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 them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. Mankind's debt of sin is fully paid for those who have accepted. Now we have an unreserved approach to come into the presence of God Almighty. We can stand before our Heavenly Father without fear, without guilt, without shame, without condemnation, because the perfect sacrifice, the blood of God, has been applied to the mercy seat in the heavenly tabernacle. That's why we are righteous. That's why we are forgiven. We can approach our Heavenly Father, because He's accepted the blood of Christ as the eternal atonement. Yes, the eternal atonement. Forever we are declared righteous and holy. Hallelujah. The truth is, we are the offspring of God, declared by Almighty God to be pure, holy, and righteous. The great tragedy is that the vast uh, percentage of the church is sin conscious. It's, it's, it doesn't understand the finished work of Christ. It doesn't really understand the work of grace that Christ has purchased for every single believer. And as a result of that, people are always going around feeling condemned and they're seeking God for forgiveness. Some people going off for the same... I remember when I first became a Christian, it took me about 15 years of repenting for the same sin over and over and over again. <laughs> Am I alone here? (laughs) Why did that happen? Because I didn't understand what Jesus has done. That God has accepted eternally the the salvation that he has purchased for us. And so we we go around seeking God's forgiveness, constantly praying for mercy, weighed down, burdened by our guilt and shame. Because we never accept what God has done for us. The moment you understand that Jesus has paid for all your sin, for all time, you will be set free. I remember that day when the penny finally dropped. I was so excited. I was whooping and hollering like you can't imagine. I went to American Bible College. That's why. I was really excited that God had completely forgiven me and forever. And I've lived in this glorious cloud ever since. You see, that's the great tragedy. The people never accept by faith that they are already forgiven. By the precious blood of Jesus and his sacrifice for them. Why do we feel guilty when God has forgiven us? Because we're ignorant of God's grace. We don't understand the word of God. If God Almighty declares us righteous, who are we to say that I'm a sinner? Who are we to say, I'm unworthy, God. What we're saying is, your sacrifice wasn't good enough for me. My sin is so outrageous that your your blood sacrifice doesn't cover it. What an insult. What an insult when we don't accept what God has done for us. And we start to put ourselves down. We start to think that we're unworthy. Hallelujah. So if God declares us righteous, who are we to say that we are unclean? Would we call God a liar? No, I'm not. You know, we need to stop putting ourselves down, folks. 
We need to stop doing the devil's work for him. How many know the devil loves it when we walk around yeah. in condemnation and guilt? Let's stop making his life easy. Remember what the command in Acts chapter 10 and verse 15. God says, do not call anything impure what God has made clean. God has looked at your life with all your failings, with all your shortcomings, with all your sin. And because of the blood of Jesus, He said, you are forgiven. You've come into the covenant and I have paid for everything. All your sins are paid for. You are now righteous. You are now pure. You are now holy. And when you start to receive that, you know, you can start to get really excited. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, God said, you're clean, you're forgiven. What else did He say? He says, you're a new creation in Christ. You're made in His image. We are partakers of His divine nature. What? I'm a partaker of Christ's divine nature. Yes, through the promise of the God, Peter tells us. I'm a partaker of Christ's divine nature. Holy and pure. Is there anything wrong with Jesus? No. Is there any imperfection in Him? No. Is there any sin in Him? No. Hallelujah. And so He says, you are a partaker of His divine nature. Pure, holy, and righteous. It's not about your works. It's about His work on the cross. It's the finished work of Jesus. We are holy and acceptable unto God. You need to receive it this morning and believe it. It'll change your life. Dr. E.W. Kenyon uh, said, Remission is one of the most powerful words in the, the gospel. And I want to share with you what that word remission is. It's kind of... Uh, uh, remission is one of those atavistic words. What? what, what? Okay, I, I waited a long time yeah. to say that. <laughs> I have waited really a very priest. long time. Really <laughs> it's an atavistic word. It, it, I started from the intelligentsia. It just simply means it's archaic. It means it's old-fashioned. But the, despite the fact that this word is archaic and old-fashioned, it is extremely powerful. And when you begin to understand that our sins have been remitted, you can really celebrate. And so uh, Dr. Kenyon's definition for remission is this. Okay? It says, to totally wipe out as though it had never been. <laughs> Hallelujah. To totally wipe out as though it had never been. When an army is disbanded, it is remitted. It ceases to exist. When God remits our sins, they cease to exist. Hallelujah! They are wiped out as if they had never been. That's the beauty of the gospel. God sees us in this perfection of holiness. It's absolutely amazing. When God remits our sins, they cease to exist. They are wiped out as though they'd never been. Listen to what Matthew says. And he was somebody who walked very closely with Jesus. He said, this is really God speaking through Matthew. And he says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, of the New Covenant, which he shed for many, for the remission of sins. Understand what he's saying. It says, For the wiping out of sins like they never existed. That's why Jesus went to the cross, to wipe out your sins so that they never existed. That's what remission means. So that we could stand in God's righteousness, free of guilt and condemnation and shame and and criticism of ourselves. We are the righteousness of God. You know, the work of the cross wipes out, obliterates our sins like they've never been. And the way that our Heavenly Father looks at at us now is sinless and perfect. We must start to see ourselves as sinless and perfect. I dare you. Look at the person next to you and tell them, I'm sinless and I'm perfect. Oh, I'm sinless. Lois, I'm sinless and I'm perfect. Perfect. I'm sinless. I'm sinless. I'm perfect. I can say that to my children. Isn't that wonderful news? I'm perfect. But but that's a big mistake. But that's a big mistake. For by strength, you shall not... I know I'm perfect. <laughs> you know, you Even saying it's funny. Listen to Romans. You know why we laugh about that? Because it's such an amazing thing that we actually struggle to to see ourselves in this sinless, perfect state because we know ourselves all too well. But God knows us better, and if God has declared us righteous, who are we to say That's I'm right. unworthy? So I've got to come into that place of agreement and say with God, hey. I'm sinless. I'm perfect. That's what God has done. He's remitted my sins. 
Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Much more then, being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of Him. That word justified, you know, means just as if I had never sinned. And it goes with this idea of remission. It's like once God has justified us, once He's remitted our sins, it's like they never were. We stand in the perfection of, of, of Adam and Eve, like in the garden before they fell. Perfect. The glory of God around about us. Justified means to regard as innocent, to show that you are right, free, and just. The wrath of God was poured out upon Christ for our sins. He bore our punishment and said, It is finished. Hallelujah. He used the Greek word teleo, and it means to be finished, to be complete, to be uh, fulfilled, to be accomplished. The work of salvation is a finished work. Folks, you are never need to do anything more to be righteous in God's sight. We should be all screaming, shouldn't we? Amen. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Wonderful. Hallelujah. God's doing some amazing things. Jesus. It's done. The work of salvation is completed. It's finished. We who put our faith in Christ are saved. We are declared innocent, righteous, free and just. We can celebrate the good news of the gospel. That, that's what Jesus has done for us. Now, I want to close by just reading uh, uh, some of this that uh, I came across 20 years ago and I've been waiting for a time to share it. And so you are the lucky recipients. I've sat on this for 20 years. In fact, a little bit more than that, but never mind. Okay. You know, many people struggle with things that are passed down through their natural bloodline, don't they? You know, mm. um, The Burns family are very unlikely to be great basketball players <laughs> because we are vertically challenged, at least some of us are. <laughs> uh, because it's in our blood, you know. We don't produce this race of giants. The Burnses are quite normal people, you know. Mm. So it's unlikely that we will produce uh, great basketballers. But, you know... Everything it boils down to the blood. You remember that the European royal family, um, they have a genetic disorder um, uh, of hemophilia. When they cut themselves, they cannot stop bleeding. It's very dangerous uh, for the royal family. They're doing something about that now. But why did that happen? Because of inbreeding. It was in the blood. And because it was in the blood, they, they were actually uh, had this problem. It was passed down from generation to generation by the blood. What does Leviticus say? The life of the flesh is in the blood. It's all about the blood. Okay? And so, the pygmies in Africa, okay, they're very short. They are no relation to me, alright? I just want to make that clear. No relation to me. It's in their blood. They keep on breeding. These short little guys keep on breeding with short little women, and they end up getting shorter and shorter, because it's in their blood. But the good news is, this morning, that I want to share with you, is that we have a new <coughs> spiritual bloodline. We have a spiritual bloodline of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus, and it comes, overcomes all our natural bloodlines. Amen. Amen. It overcomes all our natural bloodlines. The truth is, in Christ, we are created as champions, created to excel and to overcome. We are created winners, more than conquerors. We are created to rule and reign in this life. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. See, it doesn't matter what problems we have now. You might be struggling with some sort of bondage or addiction, uh, inferiority complex, low self-esteem, health issues, some, whatever the issue is. Just remember, Christ is in us. We are children of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus. I am redeemed by the blood of God. Yes. And if you're going through tough times, remember the promise in Isaiah 61 and verse 7 that God will give us double for our trouble. And then remember that that's only this, the tip of the iceberg because we are new covenant believers. So there's more involved for us. God will reward us or recompense us is what He's telling us. He, for our hardships, for the troubles that we go through. He will make all things beautiful in His time. We are not yet what we shall be. The best is still to come. Can you say amen? amen. amen. I want to close by saying I want you to consider the racehorses. Race horses are not ordinary horses, you know. Ordinary horses go to the glue factory. But race horses are, are very special horses, okay? They are thoroughbreds. They've been carefully studied, they've been selected. Their bloodlines can be traced back 50 or 60 years. And it's no accident that they end up in the, the uh, Kentucky Derby or the Melbourne Cup. You know, it's, 
uh, one of the most important people in horse racing circles is the bloodstock agent. Mm. He is the guy that knows everything about the horses. He knows it's his job to study their bloodlines. He knows their ancestry and their pedigree, how each animal uh, performs. He knows how fast his father was, how long his mother could endure, how long she could run for. So he knows each animal's speed, endurance, and agility. And he knows it's all about the ancestry. He knows it's all about the blood. So the bloodstock agent knows that winners don't happen by accident. It's all in the blood. That's why these horses are different from ordinary horses. They have generation after generation of champions in their bloodlines. And it will cost them maybe a quarter of a million dollars in stud fees. Uh, when all costs are weighed in, you could be looking at maybe half a million dollars when everything's considered. Just to breed with a champion. And then there is no guarantee of success. When that little horse is born, have you seen those little foals? They get up and they're really yeah, unstable. So on their they, they, they're unsteady. They, 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 man, they are ungainly. They are really in a, in a mess. Uh, and so you could think at that point, well, gee, I just wasted half a million dollars when mm -hmm. this, this little horse can hardly stand up. But then they remember the horse's bloodline. His bloodline. He has champions in his bloodline. That little horse may have 10 or 12 champions, world champions in his bloodline. Because it's all about what's in the blood. They're not concerned with his present weakness. They're not concerned about what color he is or what size he is or how unstable he looks at the moment. They know that he has the blood of champions in him. Did you know the same is true for us? Mm, yes. The same is true for us. You and I might be struggling at the moment. We might, uh, but we must remember we have the blood of kings oh, in yes. us. We have the DNA of God in oh, us. Yes. Our Heavenly Father created us in the image of our older brother, Jesus yes. Christ, the Jesus, righteous. Jesus. Jesus who conquered the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yes. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You come from a long line of champions. It's in your blood. Check your ancestry in Christ. Moses parted the sea. What's that saying? That there's supernatural faith in your bloodline. Joshua defeated 31 kings and kingdoms. There are conquerors in your bloodline. David was a giant slayer. There's courage and heroism in your bloodline. Samson destroyed a building with his bare hands. There's supernatural strength in your bloodline. Daniel sat in the lion's den without harm. There's supernatural protection in your bloodline. What I want you to see is that we are not ordinary people. We are blessed of God. Amen. Amen. We are anointed of the Holy Spirit. You come from a long line of champions, conquerors, victors, and overcomers. It doesn't matter what our current circumstances are. You may feel weak and depressed. How many times you failed, you're still a child of the King, a co-laborer with Christ and an heir of God. You are a champion in the making, an overcomer in Christ. Hallelujah! I'm excited about that. Hallelujah! It's in your blood. We have the D and A of God in us. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing, Nothing but the blood Jesus. of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. My last verse and I close. Hebrews 13, 20 and verse 21. Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. ever. Amen. 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 Praise God. It's about hands in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about God working together with the proclamation of the scriptures. And I believe that God wants to do something in our hearts and in our lives today. I don't know whether you're dry and thirsty and just need a new touch from God. I don't know whether you're struggling with bondage and you need to be set free. I don't know what it is that you need. But I want to tell you that by the blood of Jesus, every need is met. It is the perfect protection. I don't know whether you're struggling with guilt, shame, and condemnation. If you will repent, I'm telling you, God will declare you righteous this morning. I just... As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I would like the privilege of praying for anybody who feels that they have a need in their life. You don't have to express what that need is. 
but you would just like prayer. Uh, God knows what it is that you're asking. Is there anybody here that says, I have a need in my life. I want God to do something today in my life. And I believe that he's going to do it. Hallelujah. Just raise your hand. No, Hallelujah. Thank you. What sort thank of need? You, you. What sort of need? Any. <laughs> my blood of Jesus. If you have a serious need, God wants to do that in your life. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the, the refuge that the blood supplies. I thank you that the, the blood is our fortress and our strong tower. It's our place of protection. I thank you, Lord, the blood cleanses and purifies us. And I want to lift up my brothers and sisters, Lord, who've indicated that they have a need. Lord, you know the very need. Lord, you know every word on our tongue before we speak it. Lord, you know every thought in our head before we think it. Lord, you know exactly why folk have indicated that uh, what they would like from you today. And Lord, because of the blood of Jesus, I want to pray for my brothers and my sisters that their needs would be met today. Lord, we ask for a mighty move of the power of the Holy Spirit, the touch of God. Lord, you said we must believe to receive. And so today we thank you that we are stepping out of our old life and into a brand new life and a brand new circumstances. Lord, where we are children of the King. And I pray, Lord, that refreshing, blessing, cleansing, healing, deliverance would be everybody's portion this morning, that we would receive it. Lord, that this would not just be a gospel of words, but it's a gospel of power in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that there's power in the blood. Lord, we thank you for everything that you are going to do in us. Now, I just want to give you a couple of minutes just to start to thank God. Believe that he's heard you because you applied the blood of Jesus to your life this morning. And just thank him for the, the work that you want him to do this morning. Just take a couple of seconds. Whatever it is you need from the Lord right now, just receive it. So I thank you. This is thank a new day. Today, you. God wants to do something in you. It's going to start happening right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy and your manifold blessing. So, Lord, thank you for everybody that, Lord, is receiving, Lord, that we're going to go from here. And, Lord, we're going to build and give you thanks and praise for the mighty work of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.